Greetings and welcome from the Men of Sorrows podcast. I am Bill Lloyd. I am the host of Men of Sorrows podcast, and I myself am a man of sorrow, um, acquainted with grief. And as you know, my story of my 29-year-old son, Corporal Liam John Lloyd of the United States Marine Corps, took his life on May 9th, 2019, which began a, a journey for me that has not ended. Hosting this podcast, talking to other men, talking to all of you is part of the journey, part of the healing, part of the grief process. And Dr. Alan Wolfelt is one of many people who helped me through my grief journey. I've never met him personally, but his books and his writing and the personal touch in his writings helped me immensely. And we've been kind of going through different aspects of his book, but I'm only scratching the surface. So I would really recommend understanding your grief if you are on this journey, which I think everyone is ultimately going to face in one way or the other. We all suffer loss of a loved one in our lives. Now, today we're going to start with misconception number six. And misconception number six is when someone you love dies, you only grieve and mourn for the physical loss of a person. And to some of you, that's obvious that, oh, of course, there's so many other things that I miss and what happens. But he talks about several losses that might come. One might be loss of self. I feel like part of me died when, when he or she died. Loss of identity. Sometimes it does change our identity. We're no longer a wife. We're a widow. We're no longer a, a, a spouse. So there's a sense of loss of identity. You have to rethink your life without this person. And as a parent, if you lose a child, when someone comes to you and says, oh, how many kids do you have? Or do you have any children? What if it was your only child that passed away? It changes everything. Self-confidence, health. Um, often our security goes out the window, <laughs> especially if it's sudden or traumatic. We, we, our will and desire to live, a loss of happiness, joy, all these things happen in our grief. For me, I know that there was just this, this sense of loss and this sense of failure in my life as a parent. And we've, we've been through that on other podcasts. But there was a, a, a sense of this, this invisible wall goes up between you and the rest of the world. Another person talked about it, that they felt like they were transported to another planet and they were in a different world because you're, you're in this, this pain, this grief, this wilderness, and you do feel like, man, what happened to me? Did I get transported to another planet? Because nobody understands or knows what you're going through. So there's several things. And... Often with child loss, I had a woman tell me that she saw her son's best friend 10 years later getting married 
and she had to think that's a loss of hopes and dreams for your child she thought well my son would have been married one day my i missed this i've lost that joy i've lost that excitement to see my son get married so there there's when when grief comes when the loss of a loved one dies so many things come with it misconception number seven you should try not to think about the person who died on holidays anniversaries and birthdays okay that might be a mis misconception i don't know though i kind of think that maybe someone might have to do that but i think the key word there is you should not who who's to say you should not i think that the loved one should be celebrated on those days I think the loved one should be thought about. I think the loved one should be honored in some way. When we pray on Thanksgiving, I always ask God to give a hug to those who have gone before us, my dad, my father-in-law, my son, our loved ones who have, have gone before us. They're, they're, it's, it's not as they did not live. It's not as if they... We did not impact our lives. We didn't love them. We didn't have a relationship with them. And if you believe in the life to come and a new age and the new heaven and the new earth, you're going to be with them again. You're going to see them again. But to me, this is optional. If you don't want to think about them, if it's too painful or you can't or you don't want to, that's okay. But to say that we should not think about them, that's a, that's a big misconception. I know that um, a dear loved one of mine, on her husband's birthday, she always bakes his favorite cake, and they kind of do a shot of his favorite whiskey in his honor on his birthday. That's a great thing to do. I don't mind thinking about my son on his birthday. Um, Christmas and holidays are very um, iffy for me. In the sense that last, I remember last Christmas, I was doing fine, flying high. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I hit this wall on, on, I think it was on Christmas Day. I hit this wall and I just was so, so sad. It kind of crept up on me. But it wasn't because I was thinking about him. We have a great video of my son Liam popping out of a box on Christmas Eve surprising my mom my parents and my mom screaming her head off in excitement and joy and i play that and i look at that and i laugh and i smile <laughs> you know and i wonder what surprises god has for me down the road with my son so it's up to you whether or not you want to think about your loved one on special days birthdays holidays etc i know that every family has to go through their firsts their first Christmas without dad, or their first Father's Day without dad, or their first Mother's Day without mom, or their first, you know, um, birthday, our own birthday without our parent calling us to, to love on us, right? So all of these things, it's up to the person and how they grieve and what they're doing. And I had people check in on me on the holidays. How are you doing? And for me, to be honest, sometimes it was easy because Liam was deployed. He went away. He was away from me 
for many years on Christmas. So it's almost like I can pretend and say, yeah, Liam's away. He's been deployed to heaven, and I'm going to see him again, but just not now. Just not now. We have all these wonderful things that are going to happen, but just not now. So it's up to you whether or not you want to. Lamentine, he was a philosopher, he said sometimes when one person is missing, the whole world seems depopulated, right? And Alan Wolfelt writes, instead of avoiding these days, you may want to commemorate the life of the person who died by doing something he or she would have appreciated. On his birthday, what could you do to honor his special passions? On the anniversary of the death, what could you do to remember the life? And misconception number eight is after someone you love dies, the goal should be over to your goal should be to get over your grief as soon as possible when someone you love dies. Now, this was in the beginning, this was my misconception. I wanted to get over this as soon as and fast as I could. And I've seen other people get over it, so I kind of had a glimmer of hope that I could. But it was agony. And because it was my son, and because it was suicide, it was agony. And I thought I would never get over it. But I wanted to. One of the things that I did is Liam was an avid reader. So his aunt that he was he was renting a room from, well, renting the house. They, his aunt needed, you know, a housemate. Um, he, he had loads of books, and she, she brought them to me. I had them in the garage, and I, I wanted to get rid of everything that would remind me of Liam. And I just I dumped the books off to my friend's thrift store. And two days later, I regretted it. And I called him, and I asked him, did you do anything with those books yet? He said, no. I said, can, I hold, can you hold on to them? And I didn't know what to do then, and I prayed about it. And what I decided to do is I knew that if I took them all, it would just take up space. I knew that Liam bought a lot himself, <laughs> and I bought, you know, books for him. He would want that on Christmas. My, my son-in-law, I remember my son-in-law Dave buying Liam some books <coughs> for Christmas. So there was all sorts of books there. And But what I did, I was going to continue to give most of them away, but I was going to look through them thoughtfully. But what I did is I ordered stickers that said, this book is given in memory of Corporal Liam John Lloyd of the United States Marine Corps. And I put a sticker on each one inside each one of the books. And that was a healing for me. And that was part of the grief journey. That was part of acknowledging his life, realizing that, I can get rid of all of his physical things and it's not going to help me get over it faster. And there's no there's no timeline. There is no timeline at all. Not a single timeline. Some people that I meet with and talk with are still grieving deeply and they're further along than I am. For me, I... I feel like I've, I, I don't know, I, I, I'm very much accepting Liam's death. I'm very much having the hope that I will see him again. I believe that with all my heart. I believe Jesus could not be any more clear 
in the scriptures that there is eternal life, that this life is not all there is. There's this new heaven and new earth, this new age, this trajectory that we are all on, that God is moving all mankind. I believe what Jesus Christ did for all humanity birthed something new and beautiful into the universe, and that we are going to live with our loved ones in new and beautiful ways. So that helps me through my grief and gives me tremendous joy. Now, this really moves us into misconception um, number 10, which I'm going to skip over nine for a second. When grief and mourning are finally reconciled, they never come up again. So uh, Dr. Wolford talks about our grief being reconciled, which really is a little bit like what we would call the acceptance stage of grief. And I believe I've, I've, my grief has been reconciled for quite some time. But do you know that I went through a really big bout of sadness about two years, two weeks ago? So Liam's been gone for about three and a half years now. And I feel that in, in month six, I started reaching some level of a sec, a, a acceptance that ever kept growing and growing. And I have more joy now in life than I've ever had. And I believe that's because my broken heart my heart that was ripped open wide allowed a lot of God's love to pour in. But I have sadness every day. <laughs> There's this weird blend, and I say it all the time, of this eternal sadness mixed with this unspeakable joy. I cannot explain it. But two weeks ago, after experiencing the reconciliation of my grief for at least, I would say at least a year, maybe more, I hit this bout where I was very, very sad. I would even say somewhat depressed for a couple days. And that's, there's no timeline. You, you don't ever get over your grief. It can be reconciled, it could be healed. And it can live right alongside of unspeakable joy. That I, I can't explain it any better. The, the way I explain my journey and what God did for me is I feel like he raised me from the dead. I feel like I was raised up from the dead by God himself. So misconception number 10 and I believe eight and 10 are very closely related. When they're finally reconciled, they should never come up again. And number eight being, um, your goal should be to get over it as soon as you can. And then number nine is no one can help you with your grief. No one can help you with it. That's a misconception. Now, I know that there were some aspects of my grief that only God can fix. And I believe because God is overall in all and through all, that even when you're interacting and you're with other people, it's God working in those relationships. For me, I, I could not go it alone, and I would not suggest you try to go it alone or stuff it or put your head down and keep moving. 
what I believe God led me to do, what I did, and it may not work for you, but number one, I, I found a grief counselor. I had someone that really kind of was a mentor in my life for the last 20 years, the senior pastor of our ministry. He was a Vietnam veteran. He had a background in psychology, and he was a pastor and a believer. And I asked him, can I do processing and grief counseling with you? And he said, absolutely. And so that was one thing is I found the right person for me. And John was a very good fit for me. The other is I went to groups. I'm three years into it and I don't go every month. But there's a suicide survivors group, a suicide survivors group that I go to. And it's very helpful. In the beginning, it was all for me to express myself and to tell my story. Now I want to be present for others. I want to be there for other people and give back to the group because the group listened to my story in a safe place. And you need other people not only to witness your pain, but you have to tell your story. I really believe that. If you're introverted or shy, you don't have to say it to a group, but at least one person. We need to talk about it. We need to get this stuff that's swirling around inside of us outside. And people are there to witness and sit with you in your pain. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing to behold. I also went to another group that I can't get to as much, but it's Compassionate Friends, which is specifically for child loss. For child loss. I talked, I cried, I screamed. So there were all sorts of things that I did, but people, I had people in my life. And I had people in my life that reached out to me. Liam's a mentor in Liam's life, who was a mentor and a and a and his youth pastor, actually, um, he reached out to me, and we went and spoke and talked, and it helped me tremendously to sit and talk with him. So you may never know who your person's going to be that is able to sit and talk with you and work through things. If, if your death, if the death of the loved one was sudden or unexpected, you're, you're in shock, you're in, you're in mourning, and you need other people there in your life. You know, there were sometimes things were so painful, and if I figured if I could just get to John's office and sit in there, I'll have some temporary relief. Now, there are going to be people in your life that need you or want you to be okay. They're going to need or want you to be okay and not be falling apart and not be a big sloppy grief mess. And you might pretend to be okay for them, but you're going to have to take a break from that act. You're going to have to take a break and get off the stage. You're going to have to take a break from that facade and go somewhere where you can let the floodgates open. 
especially early on. I cried and cried and cried and cried. So those misconceptions can trip us up and hinder our healing process and our grief process. So just to review all 10, and it's in the book, misconception number one, grief and mourning are the same thing. Grief is what you feel on the inside. Mourning is the expression of that grief. Misconception number two, grief and mourning progress in predictable orderly stages. And we covered that last week. It does not. Misconception number three, you should move away from grief, not toward it. There's only one way out of the pain, and that's going through the pain. Misconception number four, tears of grief are only a sign of weakness. We put that idea to rest. Misconception number five, being upset and openly mourning means you are being weak in your faith. We talked about that last week, and Jesus is our role model for that. And he wept openly. Misconception six, when someone you love dies, you only grieve mourn for the physical loss of the person. Misconception number seven, you should try not to think about the person who died on holidays, anniversaries, and birthdays. That's up to you, but it may be the best thing to think about them and honor them and come up with some kind of ritual. After someone you love dies, the goal should be get over it, your grief as soon as possible. No. Then nine, nobody can help you with your grief. Ten, misconception number ten, when grief and mourning are finally reconciled, they never come up again. And that's not true either. Like I said, I'm three and a half years into it. I feel like I've been reconciled for a while. And a couple weeks, I went through a rough patch. Now, I do remember my dad calling me and leaving a message. And what had transpired is I was talking to my mom, and I was talking to him about a lot of the bitterness that I had towards other family members about all this. And it was awful. And the guilt that I felt blaming myself. And I know that my mom probably passed that information along to my dad. They talked about everything. And my dad called me later in the day and got my voicemail. And I'll never forget it because something happened when he said this that kind of made me know that there were some things that only God can fix. And what he said is, I love you dearly, son. And I know there are some things going on that only God can fix. And when I heard those words, it just, it rang so true. You ever have that happen? People speak truth into your life. They say something that you know is the absolute truth. And I knew, and I was comforted because I knew that God would fix it and could fix it. But what immediately came to me after I pondered that thought and was choked up because my dad loved me that way and spoke those words of truth into my life, the next thought immediately was God telling me, I did fix it, son. 
I did fix it. It's fixed. And that night, I had kind of a, I was laying down to go to sleep and it was kind of a, wasn't a vision, but it was kind of a picture in my mind of Liam running towards me. And often when I see him, I see him when he was a little boy. Maybe it's because that's the way he is now, young and innocent. We become like children in the kingdom of God. But I see him running towards me that night, and he was saying, he fixed it, Dad. God fixed everything. He fixed it. And I hold on to that. I'm like, wow. And what God did tell me was, everything's fixed. See, we have this notion in our mind that Jesus came light years across the universe. The divine putting on flesh, the word becoming flesh. To be mocked, crucified, abused, criticized, murdered on the cross. We act like he did that so that we can get our act together And behave ourselves to the point where nothing bad happens. And the reason Jesus came light years across the universe, put up with all our nonsense, was criticized, hated, abused, murdered, crucified. The reason he did that is because bad stuff happens. The reason he did that is because of sin and death. But we act like he did that so that we would get our act together, behave ourselves, and keep bad things from ever happening again. And God is saying, no, no. I did all of that because bad things happened. I overcame sin and death so that we could have that robust, abundant relationship with God and receive his comfort and his peace and his joy. So it is fixed from God's point and from our loved one's point. It's fixed. Jesus defeated death. But death is still an enemy on this side of eternity. On our side, death is still an enemy. On our side, death sucks for the loved one that went on before us <laughs> it was the most exciting eventful day of their lives and I believe that at first that those thoughts would make me mad and irritated people would say oh this life is only a blip this life means nothing. This life is so short and eternity where we live forever. And like I was in so much pain. I was like, well, great. Let's all be like Liam. Let's get out of here then. Why are we sticking around here? Why don't we all just gank ourselves to go be with God? That was, see, it didn't bring me comfort at first. One is because this life is meaningful. This life is so meaningful. Because it's not a separate thing from the next life. It's not separate at all. We do all the separating in our minds. Jesus said, when questioned about these very things, he said, to all, to God, to God, all people 
are alive. And in the context, he was talking about people that have died and gone on to heaven. And God's saying that all have been reconciled to Christ. So, those misconceptions that we have, we need to be on our toes and we need to give ourselves the freedom and the grace to mourn and suffer and feel all the pain. It's not fun. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. I wouldn't, I would not wish it on my worst enemy. And it's not fun. However, God is faithful. God will see us through it. God will lead us. God will guide us. God will never stop reaching out. Never stop speaking to us. Never stop comforting us. Because he never did with me. So I want to thank you again for listening. We have a Men of Sorrows Facebook page. And there's lots of information. Um, Previous guests... I repost their post on there, Dan Duddy, um, Michael Hicks of the Hicks Strong Foundation. I will post information from them and their organization and what they're doing and information about the podcast. So thank you for listening. If you you check out our, our Facebook page, check out the email in the notes. You can email me, reach out to me, contact me. If you know someone or if you would like to be on and have a discussion about your journey, your grief, please feel free to do so because this is Men of Sorrows Finding Joy, a place to express our grief, our pain, our joys, our triumphs, and to at times openly mourn and at times to remember our loved one and comfort one another in God's love. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Be good to each other.